0: Hi, welcome to Sew Yellow, a weekly podcast about our experiences as female Asian-Americans. I'm Cindy. I'm Helen. And I'm Courtney. Yay! For today's episode, we've brought on our friend Courtney to discuss the topic of yellow fever as well as some of our experiences with catcalling.
1: Okay, so to start off, Courtney, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Courtney. I'm a recent graduate of UVH, graduated class of 2020. Um, I am Chinese, and I'm from New Jersey. So growing up, I was in a pretty white-dominated suburban environment, and I think that really shaped a lot of how I approach diversity the need for diversity and inclusion nowadays I did a lot of work in that with my Asian interest sorority AKD Phi at school as well as interning for Pride at McIntyre at UVA and serving as a mentor for Commerce Cohort.
0: Thank you for sharing that with our listeners so I guess we'll just get started and jump into our very first question so Courtney how would you describe yellow fever to someone who has never heard of it before?
2: Yellow fever is my second most hated disease after coronavirus. (laughs) So I would say that yellow fever is an unhealthy fetishization of Asian women, like sexually. So it's something that groups all Asian women together by common characteristics that we're assumed to have, such as being petite, pale, having long black hair, um, being submissive. And it really kind of takes away your authority and your independence to present an image because people have these assumptions of you if they have this fever so I think that's how I would that's how I would describe it
1: yeah and then for those of you that don't know yellow fever is actually a type of viral infection but to clarify that's not what we're talking about today Courtney just
0: gave like a really good definition so yeah as we've mentioned in past episodes Asian women in particular are oftentimes portrayed in the Western media as very docile and submissive, and this kind of makes them easy targets to become like sex objects. So, yeah. Courtney, do you have any personal experiences or any friends that have, may have dealt with this?
2: Yeah, so this is a really timely issue for me because I have been off the dating scene for quite a few years now, so I was in a long term relationship. For three and a half years throughout college, and I recently became newly single during this pandemic. So I, <laughs> so I've been you know doing some market research on online dating apps, talking to some new people, trying to like put myself out there and see what's available when I get to New York. Um, <laughs> and I think for me, what's been interesting is so I there's there's been a lot of projects from twenty eighteen. Um, around people being sexually harassed online through dating apps and it still is very widespread now but I think the difference is that the programmers realized that women were getting harassed so they decided to put up a lot of safeguards so I personally haven't had a lot of issues with being with having you know explicit yellow fever like comments directed at me I think the The worst one I got was that this guy just messaged me. His first message was, You're just my type. And I unmatched him because in my (laughs) head I'm thinking, Okay, so if you're saying that I'm just your type, you're saying that your type is Asian, which means that you are just, you just told me that you have yellow fever and you just told on yourself. So I'm just not gonna talk to you. (laughs) And I think, like, for me, um, the concept of yellow fever really bothers me because I have to suss out: Does a man like me for me because of how cool, smart, pretty, all the fun attributes I am, or does he like me because I'm Asian? And I feel like you have to really kind of have your guard up when you're talking to uh, these these new people online to see if they're gonna pull out some weird some weird thing to say to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. You mentioned that um, programmers like include safeguards in these dating apps. Like, can you give an example?
2: Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that Tinder has an option to ban someone off the app if they commit too many, or if they commit an instance of some of harassment. And there's options to like put an explanation for why you unmatch someone now, which I think is really important. And I know that Hinge really focuses more, or they have more of a focus on long term relationships. So one of their options, which I, th- which I would love to hear your, you guys' takes on, is um, an option to screen by racial preference, so you can put down. You know, are you looking for white, Asian, whatever it is? And I think that that's kind of Mm -hmm. interesting, but I think that that could also further this idea of race as a screening factor or something that should be a prerequisite for your partner when... I think in an ideal world... See, like I think in an ideal world, you would want to get to know someone based on what kind of person they are, right? If you're both looking for a long-term relationship, but at the same time, it's like the idea of you have to have an initial attraction in order to... Or for most people, you would like to have some sort of initial attraction and interest to get to know someone, right? And a lot of that does come from physical features or just, like, what they look like. And I think that that's another side effect, too, of online dating is how superficial it is and how quickly it is to just dismiss someone based on the quality of their profile.
0: Yeah. I guess I can see, like, both sides of it, because you want to, like, cut to the chase and, like, find who you're interested in, but then, like, if there is that racial component of, like, the filter, then, I don't know, it It would make it easier for someone to just, like, eliminate everyone of a specific race and just, like, I don't know, target a specific race, I guess. Yeah,
1: I can see, like, how I feel like, I don't know, like, when I was using Tinder, um, Like, everyone... It was, like, mostly all white dudes. And I'm like, where are, like, the Asian guys at? (laughs) Um, But I can also see, like, people using that feature to their advantage. Like, guys who are actively seeking out, like, Asian girls only. Okay, so I did did some reflection on
2: uh, something that I would like to tell the audience, and I came up with a list of ways to tell if a guy has raging yellow fever. (laughs) I was thinking, like, how can I make this podcast a little, like, call her daddy ass like, with some dating tips? Okay, so, if he watches anime and he's not Asian, if he watches an unhealthy amount of anime, he probably has yellow fever. If he is not Asian and is in an Asian interest organization, it's uh, a red flag, I would say that he has yellow fever. If he has learned Chinese or Japanese or whatever, or like does that kind of thing, possible. Oh, also you can look through his Instagram, who he's following on Instagram and see if he likes, if he follows those Asian, like Asian babe, Asian girl accounts, whatever, or or Asian influencers. (laughs) That's a huge one. And also you can definitely do some detective work and go through his dating history and see what that looks like. (laughs) So just some life pro tips from Courtney here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Wait, the Instagram one, that's, I remember um, meeting this guy, and I had a feeling that he had yellow fever, and then I was looking through who he followed, and like, most of them were Asian girls, and, oh, sa- it was same for his Facebook friends, too, he was only friends with Asian girls, They there were like, no, no one else.
2: I met a guy like that online where I feel like he followed every Asian woman in the tri-state area because he was just mutuals with all of my Asian friends and it was the weirdest thing. It's like, are you trying to slide into everyone's Facebook messages and get your
1: Asian girlfriend that way? Like, I don't understand. There was a guy like that at UVA too and he just like knew my name at the dining hall and then I had no idea who he was and he wouldn't tell me like how he knew me either. I feel like a lot of these
2: guys get this image of Asian woman from porn and from anime. And I think, like, porn is a very insidious problem and when it comes to, like, sexuality because it gives you a lot of... Like, everyone knows how it gives you these inflated expectations or these warped views of how the world should be or how people act in these very intimate situations. And it often, like, capitalizes off these, like, really terrible stereotypes or um also, like by making Asian women seem more young or seem like very, you know, they, they exoticize you as, they exoticize your image to sell you, like sell this idea of this Asian woman to men. And I think that that's something that like, so when I, so since I'm newly single and I'm going through this whole, navigating this whole talking to new people, online dating world kind of thing, I also have to have my barriers up and kind of think and kind of suss out the person and suss out, like, what the extent of their interest is in me, like, whether it's purely physical or if they actually want to get to know who I am.
1: Yeah, do you, like, have any tips on that? (laughs) Do I have
2: any tips? Okay, so I would say I'm very good at asking questions, and holding a conversation that's deeper than surface level, I think, is a prerequisite for getting to know someone on a deeper level, right? Which is really difficult to do on a dating app, so I would recommend, like, just getting... Trying to, If you have a good feeling about the person getting off the dating app as soon as possible and going to texting or something, because I think that going on the dating app for too long, it you almost become kind of this very disposable commodity, right? Because you're one of many people that he could potentially be talking to. And I think taking it off the dating app makes it something that's a little bit more concrete and more official as you, you know, official with mm-hmm. within the talking stage. And I think that, I don't know, like, I just, I like to ask those leading questions, like, who, like, like, I, I actually straight up ask, I ask guys if they have yellow fever and I will, like, <laughs> suck them out because, honestly, like, I'd rather be up front and just kind of know, like, try to figure out, like, what, what their idea of dating looks like and, like, what their ideal partner looks like. Although I think that that's also, I don't know, because I'd love to talk about the idea that preference, like, what, what the difference is between a preference and a fetish, right? Because this is something that I've struggled with a lot with my friends because... I think the norm is that you date within your race, right? So if an Asian woman dates an Asian man, it's seen as normal. Versus if an Asian woman dates, say, a white man or a black man, it's seen as something outside of the norm and something that uh, people have a lot of may have a lot of input on or may have a lot of beliefs on, like why that's good or why that's bad. Um, so I'd love to hear you guys' like takes on what you
0: think that where you think that distinction lies, or like if there is a necessary distinction to be made. I have thought about this a lot, and I really don't have an answer yet because i think there's just like a very fine line like where do you draw the border and it's like it's also very subjective i guess it's like a social phenomenon you know it's not like a concrete thing you can like say like oh you have this fetish or not i don't know like i don't know because like of course everyone has their own preferences right it's just like the extent that people show it or like go about it i guess Yeah, I think
1: racial preference is, like, dependent on, like, the person, like, where the person grew up. Like, I feel like when you're surrounded by, I don't know, like, if you're a white person and you're, like, I don't know, surrounded by Asians growing up and, like, that's the norm and maybe you just, like, think Asians are more attractive. I don't know. But I think it becomes a problem when they are, they like the other person, like, based on these stereotypes, like, they're they're docile and, like, they're gonna, like, behave this way.
0: But then I guess it's difficult to, like, point out because Mm -hmm. no one would ever admit to these things, you know, like, I only like you because you're Asian and whatever.
2: That's why I think it's so important to go off the patterns of behavior and do some of that necessary detective work as a woman of color. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because... Like, I think it's, it is is—it is very difficult to question where that distinction is between a preference and a fetish, right? Because it's very common to say that people prefer blondes or they prefer brunettes or they like blue eyes or they like green eyes. And like, aren't those also pretty racialized characteristics as well? Because mostly Caucasian people naturally have blonde hair and... That's something that I've thought about as well, right? Where it's like saying that you like blondes also can come with some harmful consequences because blondes can be stereotyped as dumb or like just dumb and pretty, right? And I think the difference is that With yellow fever, there's a lot of historical oppression that Asians and Asian women have faced specifically in terms of, like, the ongoing sex tourism that a lot of foreigners participate in to, like, Vietnam and the Philippines, or a lot of sex trafficking, or the painful history of comfort women in the wars, right? And these are all things that have led to our portrayal in modern media or by certain men, because I think there's this idea inherent to a lot of heterosexual men's views on sex that women are a conquest, right? And that's like seen when they're like, oh, I've never gotten with an Asian girl before. You could be my first one. Or I want to, you know, people say they want to taste the rainbow, which is such a gross way of putting it. (laughs) God. Um, But it's like they're seeing you as some kind of experience and something disposable to just like use once and throw away as opposed to a full functioning woman, which is also kind of disgusting. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I remember I was working at my parents' restaurant once, and I was like in I was in middle school. I think I was in eighth grade. And this white guy comes in, and then he starts like talking to me, and then he asked for my number, and I was like, I told him my age, and then he was like, Oh, you just uh, you're so tall. (laughs) Um, But then like he started like flirting with like all of the other waitresses, and he like moved on, and he's like trying to get their numbers, and yeah, I just had a lot of like scenarios where like customers would like comment how like beautiful Asian women were and I just like grew up like listening to these things I guess they all thought I was like older than I was but it was just very like unsettling
2: (laughs) I think beauty standards also has a lot of overlap with this where people think that they're doing you a favor by saying oh my god you're so pretty for an Asian or Asian women are so beautiful I love your slanted eyes I love your you know, like, what, what they call them? Like, almond-shaped eyes and golden skin. Ugh! I'm literally gonna yeah, buy that. Yeah. But by saying that, there's also, like, a lot of colorism behind those remarks, right? And a lot of this idea that all Asians look the same when they completely exclude Indians from the picture. And they don't. that's not even part of what they think of. And also, I think there's also a lot of cheapening of your culture because they'll pick up on the most easily transmittable parts of your culture. Like, um, really cheap shots with like Chinese food or using chopsticks or going to Thailand or some random Asian country on their summer trip post-grad and think that that's an also another way to relate to you when I think that since we're in America and we have such diverse opinions like we'd want to be seen as people first and not just like a product of where you come from I would say like although I know that is like a very important part of identity but it's like I don't know like if anyone has ever been catcalled by someone saying ni hao or trying to like relate to your culture that way but it just feels so disgusting that they look at you and all they prescribe to you is they're asian let me say something that you know relates to them because it's from Mm -hmm. their country even if it's like
0: probably not might not even be the country that you're from honestly yeah been there so many times and honestly i still don't know like how to deal with it it's just so uncomfortable i don't know if they think it's flattering or what but it's definitely not
2: My tip for that is to try to armor up with your best RBF. I feel like if you have an RBF going, no one, or people talk to you less. Although obviously there's still, it's still the responsibility should be on educating young men that that is not okay to violate your space and your attention because no one owes you anything out on the street and they should know better. But we got to do what we got to do to protect ourselves, ladies.
0: Yeah, I've seen this post that was like, protect your sons. Wait, no, but sorry. (laughs) It was, protect your daughters, but then it was, like, cross town, it was, like, educate your sons, which, like, yeah, why is all the responsibility on the daughters to, like, just hide away from, like, the dangers of the world? Like, why can't you teach, like, these predators, like, what's right from wrong, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, like, I feel like it doesn't matter, like, how many, like, defense,
1: like, classes we take or, like, pepper sprays. I feel like there's always gonna be the risk of dangerous men, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's just, like, this innate imbalance between like guys and girls like how many times have girls been told like don't go out alone at night or like always stick with a buddy but like how often do guys have to do that or like like never right like we're so fearful of doing things on our own especially when it's dark and stuff but the reason we have to do this and protect ourselves is because like guys act this way Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that the idea of the gender imbalance
2: when it comes to heterosexual dating is something that a lot of men tend to overlook, right? Where we've all seen those posts where it's like women are scared of being murdered and men are scared that she's going to be quote unquote crazy. And I think that women have to do so much more vetting and then when you bring in like those racial issues or those different dynamics, it becomes even more complicated to navigate this world, right? Because Online dating and I think just social media culture has made other people see appear to be so much more accessible to you that like you can literally be talking to hundred people at one time if you really if you truly wanted to. But I think it's like it makes it it like really floods your personal market right of like what you think is potential and possible. So there's so many more choices in front of you, but then you can be a lot more dissatisfied because there are so many options, right? And there's so there's only so much time that you can spend looking for a partner or for a casual FWB, whatever. Like, so you have very limited resources to look through and really, like, screen everyone. So it becomes, like, kind of... I think it becomes, like, part of... You have to kind of have a little bit of luck. And you also have to kind of... In my opinion, like, I think you have to try to inherently believe that people are going to be good and act well on these dating apps or while talking to you, even while knowing that the reality could be the opposite.
1: Yeah. I had one guy message me. He was like, you look like a rich Asian girl. And I was like, that was, like, his first... (laughs) message I was like I don't know how to respond to this (laughs) blogged (laughs) yeah
2: do you guys have experiences dating um outside of your race and I guess like if you want to talk about that experience possibly
0: I do not
2: (laughs) I feel like I've had like a pretty racially diverse dating past and I would say honestly looking back at my past history of who I've dated I think that it's interesting that we that you guys picked this topic of yellow fever because I have definitely dated guys that I know have had overt preferences for Asian women right and it's something that I would say is kind of a calculated choice right so it's like I know that I am their preference so I need to do the work from my end and I need to educate them on why on who I am like not saying that it should be my responsibility to but because I have like these I have as much available information at the time about this person, and I think that they're generally a good person, right? It's like I have to weigh kind of like a semi-strike against their dating potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, so you guys brought up this video about why Asian women want to date white men. And I think that's something that's very relevant to this topic because there is this, I think a lot of Asian cultures tend to glorify dating a Westerner. And there's a lot of even like very specific terms for it. Because it's seen as the ultimate sign of, I guess, assimilation within Western society, right? Is having these like cute mixed babies and having a mixed American lifestyle. Um, But I think that these dynamics also come with a lot of problematic implications. For example, we all know that white history professor who has an Asian wife and loves talking about China um, (laughs) or sort of making Asians seem as a case study or something that's a personal interest that kind of bleeds into who they date and who they have in their life, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Do you have any experiences with catcalling in particular?
2: I've had a lot of experience with catcalling from New York City, um, and some of these have really almost, their words have, people's words have slapped me in the face where I've been told to go back to China I've been. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got catcalled in Charlottesville by this well-meaning, middle-aged white dad, and I was really upset. And his daughter like slapped him after, but he said like Konichiwa to me, um, even though. Oh my god. First of all, Japanese people are so rare in America, so statistically that was not going to happen. Second of all, obviously I'm not Japanese, um, and he seemed to look like he would. Okay, I'm not gonna like put any ascribe any value judgments on his character right but he he seemed like he would be informed okay and Mm -hmm. I think that the idea of catcalling is just really I wouldn't say that it's like guys are well-meaning right because like when have they ever had a girl talk to them from catcalling it's just a way to kind of intrude into your space and just say something to assert their power over you almost
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's a power move Mm
0: -hmm. I remember when I was younger, I went trick-or-treating. It was me, my Thai friend, and my Korean friend. And so we go to this house, and it's like a white lady that opens the door. And so her son can, like, see us from the corner, I guess, but we can't see him. And then the son is saying something to the mom, and she's like, oh, like, he is telling her to say something to us. So he's like, or she says konichiwa and then we're like nope like (laughs) we have like three different ethnicities here you didn't hit any of them and then we're all just like kind of like rolling our eyes like what the heck like was that necessary like is that is he trying to be inclusive or like what like we obviously can speak english like i don't know i don't really understand what the point of that was and thinking about my experiences on cat calling um i don't really have any in like my hometown i guess But I definitely, like, experience it a lot when I would go to New York and stuff. Yeah. What about you, Helen? Yeah, mine was always
1: either, like, in D.C. when I interned here or whenever I visited New York. Or, like, just at my restaurant, like, customers would be creepy.
0: There's always, like, this fear in me of, like, oh, what's going to happen? But then also, I don't know how to respond, and I'm afraid, like, my response might tick them off, and Mm -hmm. so I have to, like quickly like think about my response in my head like i don't want to make them angry but i also don't want to give them like the wrong idea yeah like sometimes i'm afraid like just silence will like make them angry you know Mm Hmm. i remember
1: when i was younger at my restaurant like i didn't really understand what was going on when they made these comments and since they were customers like i didn't i felt like i had to keep talking to them you know because i don't know they're the customers and yeah
2: I feel like it's really hard when you're in a service industry position to fight back or say anything because it's really hard to say it without feeling rude or abrasive and I think it's even the case when you cat called because you're also like while you're also scared for your safety it's like also you have to go out of your way to go back to that person and be like what you said wasn't okay like why would you say that and I think that's also something that's been conditioned into us as women right where it's like you should be polite you should smile you should be nice and it, it can be hard to break free of that conditioning sometimes
1: do you ever get guys that tell you like oh you should smile more or like
0: yes i was just (laughs) gonna say that heard like oh pretty girl like why are you frowning like what's bothering you what's wrong and i'm like you you like you're the problem (laughs) like you are what's bothering me
2: do you guys find that it feels safer to date within like to date other asians or like because i feel like for me i've always said that i would like my men with a little bit of culture and i i tend to go for guys who are therefore not white, right? Because I think that they can relate better to my experiences. And that's why, like, I've also, I think the idea of being whitewashed is something that's also applicable where you see, like, you can see, like, there's some Asians, right, at UVA who have very white-heavy friend groups or social groups, and they tend to date only white people. And for me, it's, like, I think that that comes with interesting considerations about what it means to be Asian American and, like, what it means to practice your culture in America where it's so
0: diverse and there's so many different options for who you could talk to or who you could be friends with. How do you guys feel about like people who's like an Asian person that says they only specifically date like white people?
1: I like high key hate that. <laughs> yeah it's so annoying but that was me when I was like in middle school because <laughs> I just yeah back then I just did not like being Asian and I was just like brainwashed by the media into thinking that you know asian guys are
0: nerdy and like not cool yeah i feel like this can go back to the our discussion about the difference between like racial preference and racial fetishism mm-hmm. um because like you're allowed to have your own preferences right but like i don't know just saying that you only date a specific race completely discounts like literally everyone else in the world like i don't know how i feel about that
1: oh wait uh, for me it wasn't like only white it was like anyone but asians
2: (laughs) yeah i went through that phase too because i remember when remember when the beauty standard on tumblr was like really pale artsy white boys i was like oh my god that's gonna be my (laughs) future husband and and then i grew up and started thinking critically about race and myself and i was like never mind
1: nope
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's relatable (laughs) Um, So what do you think are some of the consequences of Asian fetishism?
1: I was just going to talk about, I brought this up in like a previous episode, but just like how in the porn industry, like, yeah, in the porn industry, like a lot of the videos that are tagged that are like more violent, I guess, or rough, it's like they usually have an Asian woman in it. And then that will like lead to the rise of like, usually leads to the rise of like domestic violence against Asian women.
2: Yeah, it's I think it's it's a really heavy topic, right? How porn like normalizes sexual abuse against women and it normalizes non-consensual situations or situations where the woman is put in less power than the man, right? And it's, and it's seen as something that there's no there's no reflection around it. It's just seen as something that happens and the woman is super willing and they don't discuss boundaries, they don't talk about preferences or anything. It just the scene happens and that's that. I think that that's definitely a super unfortunate consequence of being fetishized by a patriarchal society. I would so um, this. I, I can like talk about this designer I found called Ada Chen, and she's she made a line of racist comments that she got on her Tinder profile. She made it into she made them into earrings, and she made it something very functional and very like something to kind of poke fun at and publicize for the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another interesting consequence of. I would say like online dating specifically right the public platform that is given to all the abuse that women face on a daily basis because it's coming from strangers it can come unfiltered and come from all different sources and there's so many places online where you can find these like awful messages like just like on reddit or on facebook like as memes so i think that that's a reaction to the consequences of it and i think that it's really hard to say, like propose possible solutions For being fetishized by the media and by men, because I think that requires a systemic, or a systemic, systematic, I learned the difference between these two, (laughs) but um, one of those words. It takes a look, you have to take a look at this, the whole system, and how it's operating to tell women what they can and can't be, and try to, I think, institute change within your own social circles. So that's something that I need to be better at as well as like calling out my friend's preferences versus their possible verging into fetishization. And also like when I am thinking about dating in my personal life, like also trying to be more firm about that and thinking about how, like why it's harmful. And I think like that someone is passing a value judgment on you for the basis of your race and like certain physical characteristics that you may or may not possess be- based on that. So yeah, I would just advise I think, like, it's really important to sit down with yourself and unpack a lot of your own views, but also go outside of your normal social circles and talk to people that you might not normally talk to and become a little bit more challenged on certain subjects and the nuances of them, because or else you're going to end up in this echo chamber where you all just agree with each other and have the same views on things.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think, like, another consequence is that... The actions of a few can ruin the reputation, I guess, or like, I don't know how to word it, like, create this representation for like a whole race. So we were talking about earlier how like on Tinder, we'd be like wary of like a, a white guy, like, oh, do they really like me for who I am? Or do they, you know, have yellow fever? And so like, of course, not all white men are like this, you know, but like the actions of a very few like impact the whole race, I guess.
1: Mm hmm.
0: I sent you guys a
1: video, but the guy was talking about... He said that the same Asian girls who speak up about yellow fever are the same ones who date only white men. And then, like...
0: I did not agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, people in the comments were agreeing to that, too. And they were also bringing up, like, AOC. They were like, she hates white men, but she's dating a white man.
0: I feel like that's the complete opposite. I think if they're okay with dating white men, why would they bring it up as an issue? Because it's not an issue for them. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, yeah, like, I only, I feel like the people that I know that brings it up, like, they usually date, like, non-white guys, or they've dated, like, guys who weren't white, and, uh, yeah, I was just very frustrated hearing that.
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting, definitely an interesting stance that this guy takes, and I think where he's coming from is kind of this idea of like selling out to your race right where it's like if you claim to be such a proponent of asian american interests or asian interests whatever or whatever it might be then why would you date someone not from your culture and i think that that also erases a lot of like i'm not gonna like be a spokesperson for white people here but i think that also erases a lot of like, uh, what the white experience or the fact that, like, white people and people of every culture can be willing to learn about you and to support your cause, right? And that's something that I also need to think about as well with myself, right? When I said that one of my preferences is that, like, I would like... Like, I think that it's easier to relate to people of color, which is why, like, I prefer... Like, strongly prefer to date other people of color. But then, like, what does that say about my unhealthy assumptions? Well, it's not, like... it's not an assumption because it's based in some real life experience that i've had with white people that have really turned me off right but it's like at the same time like i should also be more open and should be more flexible because like
0: i could be shutting out a lot of really great dating options just like on the basis of their race in that regard like do your parents have any racial preference for who you date
2: Okay, yeah, so I've never dated an East Asian... Like, I've never dated dated an East Asian guy before, and they would love for me to bring home someone Chinese so that we could have a nice little Chinese-American experience, celebrate Chinese New Year together, like, do home ball, and um, so so we can raise our kids in, like, a very Chinese-oriented household. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they've accepted the fact that their daughters are probably not going to... Like, just based on statistics and based on our history, probably not going to end up with a Chinese man. (laughs) I think they're starting to come to terms with it because they realize that... So the reason that my parents love America so much is because of the political freedom they have here, right? To be able to speak out and the diversity of opinion and thought. And, like, obviously, that's going to carry through when you grow up here. So, like, I think that they've accepted that their daughters are going to date and get to know a wide variety of people and whoever we end up with in the long term should be someone that like yes shares similar cultural values i would say like in terms of how we want to raise a family um how you approach giving in a relationship and like things like that but shouldn't necessarily be defined just on race would your parents be mad if you didn't bring home if you brought him someone who wasn't like
1: asian um so i've only dated Asians, but my um my brother dated someone who was half white and half hispanic and there was so much drama in my family it yeah there's a lot of tension
0: (laughs) i feel like my parents say that they don't care but then i really strongly believe that if i brought someone home that wasn't asian they would be like a little bit let down you know Like, I kind of know that, so I think that's just, like, always in the back of my brain. Courtney, like, do your parents, are they friends with, like, non-Asians?
2: Not really, and I think that's part of the cultural barrier, right, between our parents' generation and our generation, is that they want their future son-in-law to be someone that they can relate to, and it's easier for them if they know that they're Asian but i'm lucky enough that my parents don't face a big language barrier like they're both fluent in english and they both work in high performing jobs within the professional space so they have more of an acclimation to what american culture is like and there isn't that concern but i know for a lot of people if your parents mostly speak your native like your language from your home country or if they are less americanized then it can be very scary the idea of bringing home someone who's not from your culture because then it's like, how can I relate to, like, how is my partner going to relate to their potential future parents-in-laws, parent-in-laws, <laughs> and um, how are they gonna, how are they gonna be able to relate and create this blended family, right? And it's it's also something that I've been thinking about as well, right? Because a lot of my extended family is still in China and mostly speak Chinese. So um, because I'm 22, I would like to get married within the next 10 years, right? So thinking about it in terms of what is a wedding gonna look like, <laughs> what is meeting our, what is Uh, having our our families meet gonna look like like how is that gonna work if my grandparents only speak Chinese and like I don't know what the situation with my future partner is gonna look like Mm -hmm. and those are all like very real concerns which is why I think Mm -hmm. it's also it does feel safer to date within your race and it feels like there's that level of acceptance and understanding that maybe only they could provide you
0: yeah
1: yeah it's like one less thing to worry about
0: my parents i feel like their entire friend group is like asian and specifically like fujonese and so they're just kind of stuck in this bubble like they all have the same opinions and so they just like bounce their ideas off each other but they're like they're the same ideas you know so um they just like (laughs) have this idea of like what a marriage should be or what you should look for in a partner and it's like very superficial and like stereotypical things and my uh dad said to me once that the only thing he wants is that he will be able to communicate with my grandchild and so basically like i just have to teach them chinese or like they'll do it i guess (laughs) but yeah yeah just get your parents to take care of them
2: i think we can frame a lot of this conversation in a broader sense as
1: the continued
2: violence and oppression of women but also thinking about how important it is to acknowledge so I know you guys talked about intersectionality in a previous podcast right so how important it is to acknowledge where people come from and their perspective their perspectives and their experiences that are so inherent that are so intrinsic to who they are as a person because it really shapes how you move through the world and it really shapes a lot of your interactions with even strangers right as we talked about on catcalling and going on online dating trying to navigate that so I think it's just very important as a fellow human to try to understand more of the human condition by, like, talking to people, talking to people, getting to know where they're coming from, and, like, finding out what maybe prejudices, what assumptions that they hold with them, and, like, why those are the case.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the reason why my parents, like, have these assumptions about people is because they rarely, like, leave their bubble of friends and, like, seek out other people outside of, like, their culture to talk to.
2: I agree. And I think that there can be a lot of, there's a lot of racism or a lot of more blatant racism among the older Asian generation, right? Where I know like it's a common, like the a, a common theme is anti-Blackness in the Asian community, where I know like a lot of friends have expressed the fact that their parents have said that they would be disappointed if their child brought home someone Black. Um, and that just goes to show you like the closed-mindedness that our generation, like yes, we're starting to battle, but we do also have a lot of issues, like for example, a lot of the Asian community does use the N-word, or they do appropriate certain elements of Black culture, right? So it's like learning how to respectfully coexist with other people, and yes, like learning more about their culture is really important, but doing it in a way that's meaningful and doesn't take away from all the painful history and experiences of those people who are actually spreading the culture.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of the opinions about other racial groups that my family has is because they that's like all they see in the media and they aren't interacting with these people like day to day in the real world so then like what they see on media they think is just like real life or like or like they can generalize and apply this to everyone i think it's kind of frustrating when i like am watching the news with them and they'll like see the news about like i don't know some black people for example committing a crime and they're like see like they're all like that and it's just like very frustrating um because know it's very difficult to have conversations with them about that and like change their opinion because that's all they see like but they just watch the Chinese news
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think same with my parents Mm -hmm. not just the Chinese news it's like also American news as Mm -hmm. well they portray black people as like criminals and then like when I try to explain it's just like one person and telling them that and so I don't know they just kind of brush me off (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess it goes back to like what I mentioned earlier about like certain people like from a race like just ruining things for everyone else.
2: Okay, so honestly like this depraved behavior that you're describing of um men with yellow fever hitting on every single Asian girl that they see, I think another this is another unfortunate consequence that's very it's very pride-based and it comes from my ego, but it really cheapens my attraction to you when I find out you are hitting up literally every other Asian girl that's available and single. Like, yeah, it makes me think that you literally have no standards because your one standard is race, and that all you care about is getting someone who looks the part to be like your fantasy girlfriend. Like, no, ladies know your worth. Okay, do not
1: do not <laughs>
0: settle for anything less. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, he's still taking a shot in the dark and like trying to just get anyone.
1: Yeah, that's what it feels like. Well, that's it for this episode of So Yellow. Thank you, Courtney, for taking the time today to talk to us about this almost taboo subject. But I think it's really important that we share our experiences so we can let it be known that a lot of us have gone through and experienced these sort of uncomfortable situations.
0: Yeah, and by having these open dialogues about these matters, we can share our insights and ways to maneuver around it and hopefully put an end to it one day. We hope this episode was helpful or informative to any of you out there listening. And with that being said, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love if you subscribe to the podcast to be notified of our future episodes. Until next time. Bye. Bye.